It is your girl, Cammie. <laughs> and I want you to know that when I listen to the radio, okay, I listen to Reese on the radio because it is a radio and Reese is on it. Okay. <laughs> on the radio. Whack FM. All right, ladies, buckle up. It's going on all you scallywags out there i think you know what time it is it is time for the world's most hated and dare i say it the most racist online show in america it's the reese on the radio rundown with yours truly your good friend and mine mr reese on the radio hello carl welcome to the program and all of you, Mr. Michael B, chilling up, chilling out, and chilling down with the show. I've got, I just realized I have one light off. I've got to fix that. Anyway, um, I'll get the wife to come help it out. Uh, plenty of news and plenty of views to get into today, folks. I just got to tell you, okay? Don't blame me. It's not my fault. Okay? Don't blame me. It's not my fault. I do not go looking for these stories. They come to me. I have this thing that I get all the news updates based upon the searches and the stories that I'm on, okay? And I'll admit there's an obsession. It's not my fault, though. It's not my fault. I try really, really hard not to get involved in this stuff, but I, I can't. I try really hard, but I can't. I'm addicted, I tell you. I can't get off the smack. I can't. And for those of you who've been listening and watching this show, you know exactly what the smack is. The Adventures of Willis and Wade. Yeah. <laughs> the Adventures of Willis and Wade. I can't. No matter how hard I try, the story just keeps coming. It's just coming. And it's every time I turn around, the story is there. I try, okay? I was ignoring this, minding my own business. And the stories just come up no matter what. I'm just, I was at Whataburger. I'm at Whataburger. We took the, the puppy to the, to the doctor to go see the vet. She got a shot. That's all I was doing was minding my own business. And sure enough... 
More Adventures with Willis and Wade. It's not me. I'm just sitting there minding my business. Carl, you know how I do, right? I got a whole busy day with dealing with the wife, dealing with the puppies, dealing with a whole bunch of stuff. And as I'm driving, I get an alert. By the way, this is my ringtone whenever, whenever they show up. The scandal of Willis and Wade. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying not to. We'll get into that in a minute. I mean, we'll get into that in a minute because there's so much stuff there. White Mike says that's what you get when you let Atlanteans vote. <laughs> anyway. I have two individuals to introduce to you today. This woman is Amanda Timpson. Hello, Haggis. Welcome to the show. Amanda Timpson, we have to introduce you to. And a new player. By the way, she's a new player in all of this. And one more player. That gentleman right there is Mr. Terrence Bradley. Okay? Uh, and, and those are the two new players in our story. And, and again, I only treat it like it's the soap opera that it is, <laughs> okay? So, um, you know, it is a soap opera. It is, it's got divorce. It's got travel. It's got intrigue. It's got testimony. <laughs> Courtroom drama. It involves the president. It deserves this intro. The Ongoing Saga. Willis and Wade. <laughs> I'm sorry. I could do the whole show with this. <laughs> Michael A., welcome to the show as well. All right, before we get into that, because I don't want to kill it, I will annoy the hell out of you with that thing. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's funny, Carl. That's so true because Carl and I, Carl says in the chat room, it says it's, it's a divorce moving company. It's true because for a little while, that's all the moves that Carl and I were doing for about a month. Every call we got was a divorce move. Either the wife was moving out or the husband was moving out. It was over and over again. There was no diversity in this story. Couldn't they find a corrupt white people in Fulton County? <laughs> Unfortunately, they could not. <laughs> Willis and Wade soon to be a lifetime movie. I agree. This is, you know, how do you not? Come on. How do you not make a movie out of this? And it's bad. And we'll talk about the two new players who are involved in all of this. Um, but I want to get into a little bit of other, uh, you know, news and stories. I was going to mention this. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. Um but I feel like uh, this story has, I guess, it's piqued the interest of some people. And I'm only making fun of it because the way the news media is making fun of it, uh, like it's some sort of important story. 
And, and of course it's not. It's just silly filler uh, that the news media needs to make into something that it's not. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Um, and it, it's two big news stories. Uh, and, and I call them big news stories only because of the level of which the media is covering them. Okay? And if you haven't seen them, they're these two stories here, folks. Uh, and that is the uh, the four gentlemen who are up there on the top of the screen are the four men who were arrested for beating up two police officers, a lieutenant and an officer in Times Square who were let out of jail in about three hours, never took a trip to Rikers Island. And the other story there on the right uh, is Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and this PSYOP nonsense um, with, with Taylor Swift. Again, why are these stories out there? I don't know. But let me start with this. I've got more to say about the four uh, immigrants, illegals, who attacked those police officers in a minute. But let me address the Taylor Swift story. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy sends out a tweet. Benny Johnson does a whole show on it. And for some reason, the left from MSNBC to CNN is mocking this Taylor Swift psyop thing. And they have jumped on it to as if the story has a legitimacy that they would crowd their airwaves with it. Look at the loony Republicans calling Taylor Swift the psyop. And I always pay attention to the people who have to make this or let this dominate their airtime. It's a silly story. Vivek Ramaswamy says that, you know, Kansas City will win the Super Bowl and uh, uh, Taylor Swift will be on stage while they receive the, the trophy and then she'll go out, get on stage and she'll endorse Joe Biden. That's the psyop. And this, for some odd reason, has gotten everybody in a pickle. Oh, the crazy QAnon Republicans. The Trump supporters are going nuts. Now, again, not lending any credence to this story at all. But I do have to ask one question. It is a little peculiar that over the last seven years, everything the media got outraged about claiming it was a conspiracy theory has turned out to be true. Let's just leave that there. And that's the way I'm going to address that. When you hitch your wagon onto something, when the media has to hitch their wagon onto something in the fashion in which they do, with a fever pitch in which they did, just a tweet, Benny Johnson, who they wouldn't recognize under any other circumstances, are now paying all the attention they can to Benny Johnson. He's all over CNN for this conspiracy theory about Taylor Swift and the PSYOP, as it were. And weirdly enough, from what we've known, everything that they tried to CNN and MSNBC has glommed on to to dispel as a conspiracy theory has turned out to be true. That's all I'm saying. With nothing they've ever predicted to come out as factual, this one should bear no difference. That's my opinion. So I don't have an opinion about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I don't have an opinion. I believe that Joe Biden is so far gone 
as a president. He is so disliked as a president, even by Democrats, that Taylor Swift can't save him. Because all of Taylor Swift fans are too young to vote. I'm just saying. Yeah, we are called far right because we have been right so far. <laughs> excellent, excellent point, right, Dylan. Amy says the silly part of the story is that the Chiefs don't need uh, to win a Super Bowl for Taylor Swift to endorse uh, Biden. Exactly, it it, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Um, so it, again, I I don't I, I'm not concerned about it, but I am concerned about the 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 expedience of the news media to dispel it or to bring attention to it. It doesn't even deserve attention, but they glommed onto it, which again, piques my suspicion, not about what Vivek Ramaswamy or Benny Johnson said, but about their response to it. So I'll just leave that there. We'll talk about the migrants, the illegals who beat up the police officers because there's a story that dovetails into all of that in Boston, hence the hat. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But, folks, apparently, Joe Biden is going to Palestine. Can you believe it? Oh, no. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. My bad. My bad. My bad. Joe Biden is going to East Palestine in Ohio. I was, I, I wonder if he knows the difference. <laughs> when he gets there, somebody asked Corinne Jean-Pierre whether or not he was going to go there and drink the water. Ooh, that's fake. That's horrible. Why would someone ask that? Here's Corinne Jean-Pierre asking questions about what made the president decide to go now. It's been a year. Palestine, why, um, why did the administration decide that um, things have I guess, coalesced, and it's now the time for uh, President Biden to go? So uh, the mayor and uh, community leaders invited the president uh, to meet with uh, East Palestine uh, residents and also assess uh, the recovery uh, progress that's been going on uh, for some time now, as you all know. And so the president had always said that he would go when it is most helpful uh, to the community. And with this inv invitation, obviously, uh, very recent, uh, and the current uh, status of the recovery, we felt that the time was right again. We got an invitation from the mayor and community leaders to uh, to come and very, very recently. And so we are working uh, with them to figure out uh, the best time to do that in February. And there, is, there isn't a date yet? There's no date yet, but obviously we're working with uh, community leaders, we're working with the mayor, uh, elected officials to find the exact time and day uh, to, to, to go in February. Now, the interesting part is, is that what do we know about this, right? What do we know about all of this? Is Palestine voted 70% for Donald Trump? And Joe Biden hasn't been there in a year since the train derailment. Why go now? Why go now? What act of desperation could that could that quell? Like what 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 could that like what act of desperation? What an act of desperation on the part of the president in a place he lost seventy to thirty percent. Like why show that compassion now? 
I, I almost feel like there's something else. Something else is going on. And, and I'm going to watch this closely. I have my theories, but, you know, I don't want anybody, you know, start screaming QAnon, if you get my meaning, you know? You know what I mean? It was that when it was most helpful for his reelection. Yeah, but I, again, I still don't figure out why. I always feel sorry for this woman. Michael A., you do feel sorry for her. I, I can't. I can't feel sorry for Corinne Jean-Pierre. I can't. She, she's, her indignation, usually, while she's on that pulpit, uh, talking smack about people who ever ask her a question, she sort of treats people like, how dare you ask me a question? Like, she's above uh, 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 any scrutiny. She brings it on herself, and she's clearly not qualified. So everything that she gets, she deserves it. That's all I can say. All right. You knew it was coming. There's more in the Willis and Wade saga. A story of affairs. Willis and Wade. Anyway, what's going on with Willis and Wade? Well, that's simple. We are now at the part of the story. We are now at the part of the story where the dime droppers arrive. Now, we thought that we had seen all the dime dropping one could possibly be or could possibly give with Jocelyn Wade, the wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife of Nathan Wade. But no, now other dime droppers are coming forward. This one may truly be the dime dropper of them all. And that is the the woman pictured here named Amanda Timpson. Amanda Timpson worked with Fannie Wade very early in her tenure as district attorney of Fulton County. And Amanda Timpson, I don't know anything about her, but her record, her record suggests that she's a no-nonsense individual when it comes to using taxpayer money. She's a whistleblower, but not in a traditional sense. She's, She's a whistleblower in the sense of she doesn't want people messing with the money that's supposed to go to the underserved and underprivileged. She is truly about the cause. That's who Amanda Timpson is. Now, you can call her a radical leftist. You could call her a freedom fighter. You could call her woke. I mean, she's got the little earring in her nose with the big Angela Davis natural on her hair. I mean, I could only imagine she's been to a couple of Black Lives Matter protests, but she's a believer. And folks, for once, for once in my life, maybe twice in my life, I can say to a person like Amanda Timpson, she's bouted, bouted, and she's not. She's not about that nonsense. She really is working the cause. And she got in the district attorney's office because she wanted change and she wanted to help her people. That's who she is. I could doubt her methods. 
I could think she's foolhardy. I could call her a socialist, a communist, whatever the case is. But the one thing that she would not stand for is corruption. And she went to Fannie Willis about it. She went to her, to her about the corruption very early. And she taped it. She recorded her complaints about one of the men that she was working with who had planned on taking some $500,000 or close to $500,000 and was going to spend that on MacBooks, travel, and swag and not spend it on the people who were supposed to get it in the grant, the whole grant that was proposed. She worked on the, on the grant. She worked on the grant. And her boss was bragging to others in the office about what he was going to spend the money on. She went to Fannie Willis about it, and she recorded that conversation. You had to give me a sentence. What is the sentence theme? Once I told him about his, respectfully, and in an email about his lack of leadership and the fact that he wanted to do things with grants that were impossible, and I kept telling him, like, we can't do that, and questioning stuff, he would take me off projects, tell people I wasn't doing what I was supposed to because I questioned him. Because I understood, I helped write that grant. I knew what was in that grant. He told everybody in front of Crystal, Deontay, everybody, we're gonna get MacBooks, we're gonna do that, we're gonna get swag, we're gonna use it for travel. I said, you cannot do that. It's a very, very specific grant. Took me off. I questioned Junior DA. There's kids in there from out of the the um the county, all this. Took me off Junior DA. I did That's right. This man was taking money or was telling people that he had plans to take money out of two specific grants that were going to help the underprivileged. Junior DA, which was a program that was supposed to go to high schools to influence young African-American people to become district attorneys. Yeah. And every time she brought it up to his attention that he was using that money in a frivolous way, in essence, taking money from it, she took he took her off those projects. And, and removed her. It gets worse. I did not want to do it. He made it look as if I wasn't doing what I needed to do because I questioned him. Because so, I knew for a fact Mr. Cuffey respectfully did not know what he was doing. Period. So, so I respect that is your assessment. Um, it was clear to me that you and Mr. Cuffey were not getting along. And I'm not saying that your assessment is wrong. I want you to really listen to the words I'm saying. Puffy, and this is my personal opinion to one woman to another, is dangerous to your administration. He tells people, when I reached out to you, he told me, oh, um, you think your word is safe? Um, and exactly when you reached out to Miss uh, Willis, she called me and told me, she tell me everything. So once you reach out to her, she's going to reach up back out to me. So I didn't even go to HR okay, because he put Dexter's name on my PDP and I didn't even feel safe going to anybody. Can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. I have three supervisors that have failed in this building. What's interesting to me, because I'm in a learning curve too, they each pretend to have a relationship with me that they do not have. It didn't change the fact that Willis fired her. She got rid of her. And in one case, before they got rid of her, they took her off all the projects that she was on and it made her a filing clerk. She's bringing up corruption to Fannie Willis, and Fannie Willis got rid of her. Now, in my view, that's a pattern. 
the gentleman, Mr. Coffey, she's talking about was not fired. He did leave the district attorney's office, but he was never fired, never reprimanded, even brought up on charges at all. He just left, and he's refused to comment ever since. He just says, hey, we left on amicable terms, and that's the end of it. Now, Fannie Willis is getting called here. She's being told, hey, this guy isn't good for your administration. But she punished the whistleblower, but not Mr. Coffey. And he's the one running around bragging, talking about what he's going to do with the money. Now, again, this is only speculation on my part, but let me tell you exactly what I think, because I'm pretty sure you're thinking it as well. There's a habitual, habitual uh, product of corruption inside Fannie Willis's office. It isn't different than the scandal we saw in the school system where teachers ended up going to jail for fabricating kids' grades. I believe that that's the same thing happening in the DA's office in Fulton County. Scandal after scandal after scandal because they put these people in charge. They believe that, you know what? Whitey ain't here to supervise and they're going to get what's coming to them. That's what I believe, my opinion. White Mike says maybe Fanny was banging him too. Who knows? Who knows? Doesn't the whistleblower status protect her from that? No, it did not. Again, she went to her supervisor and she gave her no protection. She ended up fired. That's worse than the affair. Yeah, and Fanny may have been getting a cut. Yeah. It, I, I'm very much aware of the fact that there is a culture of this happening in Fanny Willis's office. Now, Again, I just wanted to play that part for you. But like I said, we're at the dime dropper stage of this scandal. Which brings us to this gentleman, Terrence Bradley. You didn't hear of him before because he was quiet. And then he decided to drop a dime. Several dimes. $5,000 worth of dimes. Yeah. And I give him props for doing it. I'm sure you guys know the definition of a quid pro quo. Sorry, let me put his picture back up here. You guys do understand the definition of quid pro quo. And that means you do something for me, and then I'll do something for you. Well, who's Terrence Bradley? Well, Terrence Bradley is an attorney. And Terrence Bradley used to be a part of a law firm. And that law firm was called Wade Bradley Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wade Bradley. And what is it? Christopher? What's the third guy's name? Why am I forgetting his name? Yeah. Wade Bradley and Campbell. That's who he used to be a part of. But Bradley's no longer there. And he's left. This article from the Daily Caller. Let's read that one here. Business partners of District Attorney Fannie Willis's alleged lover, Nathan Wade, whom she appointed to work on a case against former President Donald Trump, made donations to her campaign before receiving lucrative contracts from her office. Terrence Bradley, Wade's former partner, and Christopher Campbell, his current partner, have collectively contributed more than $5,000 to Willis's campaign contribution disclosures report show. Moreover, 
Both men have raked in tens of thousands of dollars from contracts with the district attorney's office, according to county records. Campbell is a partner at what's called Wayne, Wade and Campbell, where he works with Wade. Uh, Wade Bradley formerly worked with Wade and Wade and Bradley. He was called, sorry, with Wade and Wade Bradley and Campbell firm and also represented Wade in his divorce case up until September of 2022. The donations add another wrinkle to Willis's already scrutinized relationship with Wade. Willis was accused in a motion earlier this month by Trump co-defendant, you know that, yada, 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 yada. Bradley made three donations to Willis's campaign, $1,000 in June of 2020, $550 in October of 2020, $2,500 in June of 2023, according to campaign disclosure reports. Meanwhile, the district attorney's office paid Bradley $74,000 between May 2021 and June 2022, according to county records, and remains unclear what work he was doing during that period. Campbell, who donated $1,000 to Willis's campaign in June of 2020, contracted with the district attorney's office in January of 2021 to provide services as a taint attorney for $150 an hour, according to the contract obtained by the Daily Caller News Foundation. Taint attorneys sift through documents obtained from a search warrant and filter out privileged evidence to prevent it from being passed to prosecutors. Under a separate contract in March 1st of 2021 to April 30th of 2021, Willis also brought Campbell on to work at at $65 an hour as a first appearance attorney who represents the district attorney's office at first hearing held for defendants within 72 hours of arrest. This is quid pro quo. Yeah, this is one incestuous mess, Amy. Indeed it is. So she's just handing out these contracts from person to person who have donated to her. No bid contracts. Again, this is always, need I say the names again? Mayor Ray Nagin went to jail. New Orleans mayor. For what? No bid contracts and kickbacks. Kwame Kilpatrick of Detroit, the mayor, went to jail. For what? No bid contracts, kickbacks. Jesse Jackson Jr., same deal. Rob Blagojevich selling, allegedly, Barack Obama's, uh, um, well, I guess he was convicted, but trying to sell Barack Obama's Senate seat. These are often, there are probably 5,000 lawyers in Atlanta. uh, These are the best candidates, quid pro quo for sure. Yeah, exactly. And again, look, what's the most damaging info on all of this? What did Fannie Willis do? When it came to the three attorneys she did hire, she said that they were personal friends of hers, all three of them, called them all superstars. But she pays the two criminal criminal uh, attorneys less than she pays the guy who does personal injury and divorce cases, paid him more. Now the mayor of, yeah, that's right. The mayor of Bridgeport went to prison for the same thing. So this is commonplace right now in Fannie Willis's office. And we'll know, what is it, Friday? I guess it's going to be our first, the first time she's going to respond 
uh, in court filings. I don't know if she's going to ask for those court filings to be sealed, but she can't. Um, so we'll know what she's saying in, that, in those court filings in, I guess, two days. I'd like to ask Fanny a question. What you talking about? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Try to take my joke. Anyway. All right, so that's where we are with that. Boston, Massachusetts, or Massachusetts in general, they're having a problem as well uh, when it comes to the migrant crisis. And they did something I thought was incredible. Two things, to be exact. The first one was when they ran out of space, the first place they decided to put their illegals was at Boston Logan. Emotional, guys, okay? Because I'm committed to this. Little kids. That is Governor Maura Healy, who's very, very upset and very emotional about the migrant crisis and what it's doing to the state of Massachusetts. Look at the migrant crisis in our state. This piece of video shows dozens of migrants lined up sleeping on the floor of Terminal E at Logan Airport. WBZ's Louisa Muller is live for us at the State House tonight. Louisa, the video that we just showed was taken just a few days ago. So are the migrants still there at the airport? David, I am told they are back there tonight, but they weren't there this morning when I visited. You know, the migrants have told my contacts themselves that they're getting on buses and leaving during the day and coming back in the evening. So we asked lawmakers, is there a coordinated effort to move the migrants during the day? And what does that cost? And their answers were somewhat ambiguous. Last week, our camera captured dozens of families sleeping on the floor of Terminal E at Logan. Little ones toddling across the floor and babies. The issue isn't new. Massport officials said migrant families were sleeping in Logan in November. But the numbers are startling. Some estimate more than 100 folks. There's lots of children, a lot of children. Medford woman Katura Dews has been visiting the airport, providing resources to the families and speaking with them. A lot of well care stuff because a lot of them, while they're at the airport, they don't have access to a shower. So there's like some um, shower wipes, um, towel, little towels just to clean up while they wait. With the state proclaiming that there's no room to house more migrant families in emergency shelters, the question is, where are they going during the day? When we visited Terminal E this morning, it was empty. We asked Governor Healy about it. Is state police overtime being used, or is there is there are there state efforts to move them from the airport and then bring them back to the airport? The airport's been a wonderful partner, and I really want to thank the folks at the airport for the tremendous job they've done, including members of the state police who are working their regular shifts, but who are managing the inflow uh, and outflow of folks from the airport. Sources tell our I team that state police are using overtime to cover the overnight shift at Logan. So the migrants don't have any place to stay. So what do you expect? They put them at the airport when they're running out of places. But guess what? There's another place that bought, that Massachusetts is putting them, and that's in a little town called Roxbury, which, by the way, is one of the, I want to say, three African-American communities in Massachusetts, or at least in Boston, for that matter. So Roxbury is where they're going. And they're putting them in a rec center, a rec center where young black kids need to go. And as I played earlier, Governor Moore Kelly was very emotional about having to put those kids there. Emotional, guys, okay? Because I'm committed to this. Little kids need to be able to breathe clean air. They need to be able to access swimming pools. They need to have lifeguards there who are going to teach them how to swim. And they need to have activities. But they can't have that this time. 
Because the migrants need a place to stay. <laughs> I, I, the kids, the black kids in Roxbury, they need clean air. They need to be able to go swimming every day. They need lifeguards who are there to teach them how to swim. The lifeguards do that. No, they don't. But nonetheless, sorry. Sorry, kids. Tough luck. The migrants get, they get first billing. We got to cut down your rec center. You know, you'll get you'll get clean air next week <laughs> or next month. Whatever happens, we'll get it to you. When once we figure out where to put these newcomers, then we'll get you back to your swimming. Other than that, I I I, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do for a couple three months. I don't know either. I don't know either. How about stop being a sanctuary city? How about that? Now I want to say this because again, this is probably one. This is probably something that 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 I'll have to I'll have to piece this so that I can make this abundantly clear, so that Chicago understands, Boston, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, wherever there are migrants being put up in black communities. All of you are trying to figure out why they're doing it. Why are they picking your communities? It's real simple. You're not a threat. You are no threat to them. You vote them in and you'll continue to vote them in. You are no threat to their position and their election and their reelection. You've never been a threat to them. You've allowed them to walk all over you for years. What makes you think they wouldn't walk all over you now? You are no threat. You have no political capital, and you never did. Bottom line. They know maybe a few of you will vote for Donald Trump. They're not at all concerned about you ever voting Republican. They know you're just going to go home. You may march here. You may march there. You may give the police a hard time screaming and hollering and putting out your bullhorn and threatening to stop shopping. But we know that never lasts because you're not a threat. You've never been a threat and you're never going to be a threat. Because you believe that Republicans are a bigger threat. You're more afraid of Republicans than you, than you are of the, the party that you vote for and elect time after time after time for over half a century. They're not afraid of you. They know you're going nowhere. And that's why. So your rec centers and your, I don't know, what, whatever, your activity places, your safe spaces, those little, you know, uh, run-of-the-mill boys and girls clubs, they're going to get taken from you. Affordable housing, thing of the past. They're going to give that $9,000 to $15,000 to one of these newcomers. Can't get a driver's license, so did you have a valid ID to vote? No problem. They've got incoming. They've got people who are going to come into the country and they're going to take full advantage of that driver's license that they're going to make available to them. And then those same politicians who you'll vote for or stay home for, <laughs> they'll make sure that those people know exactly where to vote because they'll be fighting very, very hard to get them their right to do so. You're only there, you know, when they need to 
to talk nonsense on Capitol Hill about how disenfranchised you are and how, how your vote's being suppressed. They won't give you any free IDs, by the way, but they'll work extra hard to give free IDs to the migrants that come in. Oh, hell they will. Funny, interesting now, right? Some people fight really, really hard to get Section 8. Think about all of the black families you've heard, the horror stories that they go through, the, the hoops they have to jump through to get central Section 8 housing. Okay, or they can't get enough child care or they can't get enough money for, to take care of their children. And now you got people who these people have never seen before. You've been in a face-to-face welfare office six times in a month. They know you by name. They recognize you when you walk through the door. But Consuela walks in. She hasn't been here for 15 minutes. She rushes to the front of the line and she gets a check for 15 grand. You're no threat, and they know it. And you're going to do nothing about it but complain. And guess what? The media is never, ever going to cover your story because they're in on it. No one's covering your story. Nobody cares. You are the pure definition of useful idiots because you idiots keep voting for the same people or you stay home. What's the pure definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. P. Diddy and all the rest of these bozos keep telling you, we got to vote. Yeah, for what? The same crap. So, what are you going to do? I'll take, I'll take a bet here. It's nothing. And I could take that one to the bank. We'll see. Election day is maybe 10 months away. We'll see. We'll see. The kids, they need clean air and they need to swim. They need lifeguards to teach them how to swim. Do they need to read and write and get an education, Governor? Isn't that more important? <laughs> they couldn't have clean air or swimming during COVID. <laughs> it's interesting. Well, Haggis says that the migrants are working on the planes that Americans do not want to work on. That's why they're at the airport. Greg says, if the minority community thinks that they are disenfranchised now, they haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> these, <laughs> these will be the good old days in another year. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Hello, L.A. Thank you for joining. She says, I know a Chicago pastor got a South American family in his house. Governor asked if people would take them into their homes. Yeah. Governor Pritzker has been asking people to take them into their home. I played here. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams from New York was also saying that some people, he would pay them as much as $125 a night to house them. <laughs> White Mike says black kids can swim. Hoodoo. They're there to teach them how to swim, Mike. <laughs> Average weight for Section 8 is just under a decade right now. <laughs> wow. Damn, I think you could get a car in Russia in less time. <laughs> That's what? That would be horrible. That's just horrible. 
Okay, Amy, whatever you do, Amy, uh, please tell me. Amy, let me know in the chat room if you're here. You can't go anywhere. You can't go anywhere. You have to let me know in your chat room. You're... Now, folks, I want you to know, in certain stories, Amy has a special place in my heart and for this show because I know personally that she loves this section or this part of the show, okay? I know she does, and she has great commentary on this show. So, Amy, when I saw this, I thought of you because of this. Now, I'm going to hearken back to yesterday and nine week, 19 weeks ago in September. I played this just yesterday. Why is he running? He's too old. They will never say it on television. But they say it privately. We know they're saying it privately. There's no way they're looking at the same man I'm looking at and not saying to themselves, this guy's got to go. Okay? There's just no way. Right? When, you, when everyone else is sitting around going, you know, what, are, are the Democrats crazy? Do they not see? But yes, they do. Don't stop thinking that they're crazy or that they're delusional or they're living in their own little echo chamber. They see the same things we see. Again, I said that in September of 2023. And then yesterday I played Joy Reid dropping the F-bomb, talking about Joe Biden starting another war. Well, this couldn't get better. It was almost like it fell into my lap. It was like preordained. James O'Keefe from O'Keefe Media Group, OMG, has got another tintillating video. James O'Keefe is now undercover himself, pretending to be a gay date. And this time, he got a date with somebody inside the White House. That they say it publicly, Biden is... What is this clown show you guys running over at the White House? Videos like these will be brought to you in part by support with funding from the Citizen Journalism Foundation. Now you can make a tax-deductible donation to support Citizen Journalism Foundation's independent journalism. Please go to citizenjournalismfoundation.com to learn more. Citizen Journalism Foundation is not a sponsor of this program. Charlie Krager is a cybersecurity policy analyst and foreign affairs desk officer in the executive office of the White House. He manages two federal agencies and for the last four years worked at the State Department. He works on the president's priorities, executive orders, is a high-up official and cybersecurity subject matter expert. I met with him undercover on Sunday, January the 21st with my hair dyed, wearing fake eyeglasses. Not only did he not recognize me, He sang like a bird. His social media, which was scrubbed after my initial meeting with him, says he likes long walks on the beach and diplomatic negotiations. Are you playing with the Kennedy School at all? Harvard? What about that? Yes, I'm in the executive education program there at the Kennedy School. So I I got a job at the State Department. The State Department? I I essentially started at Georgetown and I applied at State. I went to Georgetown for my master's. Where I studied when I joined the um, the security studies program in the School of Foreign Service, 
so when I was there, I focused on like cyber security and cyber, technically cyber intelligence. So like the like espionage and the spy game that cyber intelligence. You really are James Bond, aren't you? <laughs> I know my my grandmother my grandmother likes to be like he's a spy he's a spy and my parents are like you can't say that don't don't tell people don't say these that don't say that you're a spy no, that makes you like a target I mean, yeah yeah but um yeah I mean but no I'm not a spy I work for the White House so I I do oversight and management and so my job is to um help oversee like responses to cyber incidents and cybersecurity problems and so I manage two federal agencies the State Department and USAID so I I like have recurring meetings with them where we talk about goals and we talk about, about the president's priorities and like how are they coming on certain executive order deliverables and like all of this kind of stuff Charlie says he's responsible for protecting the networks of the federal agencies so when you say sec it's like security, like you're protecting the networks of the federal agencies you're that you give all your information to. That that through commerce or everyone, or, yeah. So you're commerce. protecting the networks. Yes, and I but I'm not like sitting there coding. Yeah. I'm meeting with like the senior level decision makers, and we're talking about problems. You're doing and it at a senior like, level. Yeah. The so mission is to protect right. yes. information. Okay. That's very impressive. Now I gotta admit, folks. These people love talking about themselves, don't they? How important they are, especially when they're out on a date. And I, look again, I don't, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but it is usually the gay targets. I'm just saying that who were very, very forthcoming about who they are and what they do. They just are, and I think James O'Keefe knew that. Now I don't know if they met on Grinder or Tinder. James O'Keefe doesn't reveal that. But James O'Keefe is playing the very, very effeminate role like he's on a date. Look, I mean, for crying out loud, he's drinking wine. This seems very casual. <laughs> wow. That's cool. That's really cool, Mr. James Bond. <laughs> Charlie Krager, who works in the executive office of the White House, says he's the president's voice. And his mission is to protect networks, promote the president's priorities, work with the Security Council and other parts of the White House. We, sir, we, we are like the president's voice when we go into meetings in terms of discussing and, and promoting the president's priorities. And like, so you're like the enforcer? Uh, kind of, yeah. And the State Department people are more uh, difficult, high maintenance. And Why they, is that? They, they call me demanding. Why are they more high maintenance in the State Department? Uh, because the State Department has a big ego. So tell me about you. So you went to Rutgers. Yeah, I went to Rutgers. Um, and, and what did you major in? Well, I majored in journalism. And I designed uh, uh, brochures and pamphlets. I'm very, very good at that. I'm probably one of the best there is. And I'm also very good at sales. Why do you think you're one of the best artists? It's 20 years of experience. Oh, okay. But what I do is not as interesting as <laughs> What you do, right? That's okay. What you do is a, a, you know, a movie, I guess, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Krager, who works in the executive office of the White House, makes his politics crystal clear. And I like had several dates where people would be like, "Well, I don't think we should have to get the vaccine." And I'm like, oh, you. "Like, you're not going to get the vaccine, and then you're going to go expose my family exactly. in the hospital exactly. to your unlike vaccinated COVID." Like, fuck you. Charlie Krager, who works in the executive office of the White House, got to talking about President Joe Biden. I told him I love everything that Joe Biden does, but asked Charlie about Biden's mental fitness. I love everything that Biden is doing. I love his policies. I just, 
just seeing it, just witnessing it, just looks, it's a bad look. I mean, he can't, struggles to talk. Yes, and yes, he's no Barack Obama. Is he, is he going to be the, the nominee? Yes. And she will be the vice president nominee. Yeah, I don't... There was a debate about removing her from the ticket, but... Sadly, they didn't. I agree with everything Biden is doing. It's just his cognitive ability. Like, I have yeah. a grandfather who has who's 91, okay. and Joe Biden is worse than my grandfather who has dementia. Yeah. You know, he's sort oh, of walking yeah. like this, and yeah. he's sort of like, you know, and I, and I think that voters are going to look at that, oh, yeah, and it's going to hurt I us. I, I think that independents are going to look at that, and they're going to be like, I can't deal with that. But with him, I yeah, mean, I know. I know. he's got I know. dementia. Um, yeah, well, I don't think he has that clinically yet. No, yeah. Um, but he's definitely slowing down. Well, my question is, are the people like your colleagues or the White House or whatever, do they get it? Do they know that? You know? I think that they probably do, but no one in modern history has ever said like, we're not going to renominate the president for a second term. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That just hasn't happened. Like, so they know that he has those issues. I think so. But they're not I mean, willing the to say it. Shows it. And, they're not and willing to say correct. it publicly. And same thing but with Kamala Harris. She's not popular, but you can't remove the first black lady to be vice president from the goddamn presidential ticket. Like, I what see. kind of message are you going to send to, like, all the African-American voters? So that's the public? reason why they won't remove her. That's what I think. How would you spin that? People would be like, what the f***? Like, she's a woman, and she's multiracial, and she's like... But she's not popular. Charlie says he's seen, in the executive office of the White House, people talking about how Kamala Harris hemorrhages black staff. Kamala is so unpopular, the New York Times did an article about how she hemorrhages black staff. She can't keep black staff. They quit on her in mass. She hemorrhages black staff? Yeah, there's a New York Times article about it. It went, like, people sent her around at the office, and everyone was like, oh, Why don't they like her? Then the subject came up about replacing Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. I think they need to get rid of him or get rid of her. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think they're going to do that. Then Charlie Krager, who works in the executive office of the White House, says he's heard his colleagues say they can't tell the truth to the American people about what's really going on. But they do say it behind closed doors at the White House. I think I think that they're really concerned about this. They, but they won't say it. Well, I guess if they say it publicly, Correct. Biden can't is, say it publicly. is uh, no, no, they yeah. can't say it publicly. No, no, they've got to they tell the they say it privately? So they know it. They know it. Of course they do. But yeah. it's the optics and like the scandal, I think they feel wouldn't be worth it. I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling just, you what I've heard. Like, just, yep. You're just telling me the truth. Does it make sense? No, but that's, I mean, that's what I've heard. Do we need to hear anything else? There's more. There is more. <laughs> Amy says that poor guy thought he found his soulmate. Michael B says that dude's going to get suicided. <laughs> James looks like James. How are these people so stupid? Uh, because again, but John, wait, there's more. To your question, trust me, there's more, and it's brilliant. It, Amy, this is the this is the core reason why I don't want you to leave because the end is the best part. <laughs> the end is the end is the best part, and it is another two and a half minutes. Please, please be patient. Charlie Quager says he's just telling us what he's heard. 
in the executive office of the White House. I was, I've had a meeting with Michelle Obama at one point when I was an intern, and someone asked her, will you ever run for office? And she said no, emphatically. Really? She said, I will never run for office. It does not interest me. I've seen how, like, she, she said a lot more eloquently, of course, than I'm going to say it, but she was like, I've seen all the shit my husband has had to go through, and that does not interest me. I asked Charlie Kreger, who works in the executive office of the White House, how is it that a security official in the White House, doesn't know he's on a meeting with James O'Keefe and would divulge such secret information to James O'Keefe. So you work in cybersecurity for the White House, and my, my question is, what are you doing on a me meeting with James O'Keefe? And how do you think it looks to the American people that working in the Office of Cybersecurity you're sitting across the table with James O'Keefe, okay. founder of Project Veritas. Oh, I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, we do undercover investigations into people. What does it look like to the American people that the cybersecurity specialist at the White House is sitting across from the founder of Project Veritas? What type of cybersecurity operation are you guys running over there? We're running a good cybersecurity operation. Well, obviously not, because no, you're meeting with me. <laughs> Did you not do your research? Or what is this good cl clown show you guys running over at the White House? Tune in tomorrow for the full reaction of Charlie Krager when I reveal who I am. What we have learned in OMG's undercover investigations into D.C. so far is that we have more problems in this country than the White House is willing to admit. Our high-ranking source, Charlie Krager, told us exactly what he has seen and heard that only a rare few have access to. With a vice president who causes hemorrhages within black staff, a president who has not yet been assessed for dementia, but people continue to talk about his ability to lead behind closed doors, and apparently Michelle Obama, who is not coming to the rescue, according to Charlie Krager. We are going to be keeping a watchful eye during the election season I would like for you to step forward and volunteer, get active, and get involved at OMG. <laughs> I don't think he really believed what he was being told. <laughs> Again, now... Amy, like many others who watched the show, know that that is one thing that James O'Keefe and others never do in the middle of their investigation, is reveal who they are during. But James O'Keefe decided to do that one there. It just revealed to him, dude, you're busted. You're sitting with James O'Keefe, and you just revealed a lot of stuff. Which, again, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go with Michael B. on this one. I'd be gravely concerned about his whereabouts at this point. Uh, because when that video broke, I was going, "Woo, that's uh, that's not good." Charlie says you can bend me over only if you got vaccinated and you're wearing a mask, and I'll tell you everything. <laughs> that's so horrible. You people are the worst. You're the worst. And he was like, "Oh, I've heard of it." <laughs> Oh, oh, God. We'll end on this note uh, because I think that it's it, it's proper to end here, and we've only got less than a minute left. But I wanted to play this 
I don't know about you. I'm not making any predictions here, but let's call it sort of a prognostication. If I were Mark Zuckerberg, I would step down from Meta today, if not next week. Because what Josh Hawley did to him in that Senate hearing today made him look really weak, really weak. And in some ways, culpable. The image of Facebook or Meta as an organization today looks bad. If you haven't seen it, folks, I got to give it up to Josh Hawley. Take a look at take a look at the woodshed that Josh Hawley put Mark Zuckerberg behind in today's hearing. Now, I know you're familiar with these stats because he sent you an email where he lined it all out. I mean, we've got a copy of it right here. My question is, who did you fire for this? Who got fired because of that? Senator, we study all of this because it's important and we want to improve our services. Well, you just told and me a second ago be- you studied it, that there was no linkage. Who Senator, did you fire? You, yeah, I said you mischaracterized. 37% the of teenage girls between 13 and 15 were exposed to unwanted nudity in a week on Instagram. You knew about it. Who did you fire? Senator, this is why we're building all Who these did you fire? Schools. Senator, that's, I don't think that that's... Who did you fire? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to answer that. Because um, <laughs> I mean, you didn't is, fire anybody, right? You didn't take Senator, any significant I, I action. It's appropriate to talk about... It's not appropriate. Do you know who's sitting behind you? You've got families from across the nation whose children are either severely harmed or gone, and you don't think it's appropriate to take talk about steps that you took? The fact that you didn't fire a single person. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Have you compensated any of the victims? Sorry. Have you compensated any of the victims? These girls. Have you compensated them? I don't believe so. Why not? Don't you think they deserve some compensation for what your platform has done? The interesting part about this exchange is that, you know, again, if you ever, you always hear over and over again about how the CEO of an organization is so far removed from the actions of said organization. Mark Zuckerberg gives credence to that because he doesn't know what's going on. There are people at lower levels that he, of course, he delegates them to do these things, but they're doing a horrible job. And when these things are happening, he's not responding to them in kind. Now, this is a guy who spent hundreds of millions of dollars to influence an election in one town. Here's a guy who exhaustively kept the story off the pages of Facebook when it didn't serve his considerate, con- considerable candidate for president of the United States, the Hunter Biden laptop story. He openly admitted that he suppressed it. That's what he does. That's, that's the stuff he invests in. Election interfering. That's his thing. Actual harm to individuals? No care in the world. Seems I don't know, scatterbrained, naive. I'm not aware. <laughs> Flustered even. 
Josh Hawley took full advantage of that. Help with counseling services, help with dealing with the issues that your your services cause. Our, our job is to make sure that we build tools to help keep people safe. Are you going to compensate them? Senator, our job and what we take seriously is making sure that we build industry-leading tools to find harmful to content, make money. take it off the services, uh, to make money, and to build tools that empower parents. So you didn't take any people. action. You didn't that's take any true, action. Senator. You didn't fire anybody. You haven't that's compensated a single not, victim. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? I, Would I'm, you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? Now, look, folks, if I'm a shareholder, I'm, I'm, my head is in my hands. I'm like this. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, dude. The whole world is seeing that right now. Tomorrow morning, mark my words, at least three major newspapers have that picture right there. If not behind them, I'm sure the photographs will be behind them. But that's going to be the top fold of every major newspaper, if not at least three of them. Washington Post, New York Times. That's the head of a multi-billion dollar company. It's a multi-billionaire. Literally contrite to the people he's affected. That's on the cover of the newspapers. The shareholders are going to lose it tomorrow. But he tried. I'm sorry for everything that you have all been through. It's terrible knowing to have to go through the things that your families have, have suffered. And this is why we invested so much and are going to continue doing industry leading efforts to, uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer. You know, why, Mr. Zuckerberg? Why should your company not be sued for this? Why is it that you can claim you hide behind a liability shield? You can't be held accountable. Shouldn't you be held accountable? It's embarrassing. Again, I, I don't I don't feel good for him, but I don't feel bad for him either. I, I just don't. His shareholders are going to ask for him. They're going to. I mean, they're, I know they're going to call for his head. <laughs> I'm sorry. Haggis, comment of the night. <laughs> Haggis says maybe Mark Zuckerberg should go to East Palestine tomorrow. <laughs> That's perfect. John Beckman says on the guy in the O'Keefe piece, should we call the White House for a welfare check? I don't know. Maybe. But, yeah, that if that picture isn't, I'm telling you, that picture of him standing there um, apologizing to those victims, oh, that's the cover. I can't wait to see tomorrow's newspapers, but it's going to be everywhere. That is definitely going to be everywhere, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I, I, Why? I, I, I definitely believe that. Yeah, Mike B said, damn. Yeah, it looks bad. It did look bad. All right, folks, it's time for me to get up out of here. As I always say, radio is free, so we thank you for paying attention. Remember to keep JC in your hearts and in your minds. 
Sean Patrick, we love you and we miss you. Remember that panic is not planning, so plan your work and work your plan. Me, I'm Reese Sunday Radio. You have a good night, a pleasant tomorrow. We'll see you here Thursday. Be good to each other. Holler.